All right, welcome back, Faith Church. Woo, it's good to have you guys here in the building in uh, Florence. Can we give it up for our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg? It's good to have you guys back as well. To all the rest of our Faith Church family that's still home watching online or you're traveling, it's so good to have you guys with us. And for everybody else, man, we have literally seen thousands of people join us online. Can we give it up for some of our online family? Great to have you guys. Hey, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's good to see some people. It's a tough gig preaching to an empty room. Seriously. It's good to see teeth and smiles and hands clap. Come on, isn't it good to be in an environment, an atmosphere of worship? One more time, man. Can we lift our hands to Jesus? Come on, all over this place. So good, so good, so good to be back in the building. But again, if you're watching online, wherever you're at, we say it every week that Jesus, he is the hope of the world. So if this is your first time or your thousandth time, listen, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle, your situation, if you'll invite Jesus in to meet you where you are, it will be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Come on, does anybody in the house here believe that's real? Can you make some noise for the goodness and the mercy of God? Well, hey, listen, we're starting a brand new series today entitled Generations. And the series of generations is going to be this picture and this look of really what your life can mean beyond the moment. The word generations, the root word is generate, which means when you look at what God's perspective of my life and your life, our life is, that we're intended to generate something. And the reason this, I believe, is important today that we tackle this topic is because, I mean, I think it's always this way, but specifically, we have to ask ourselves this question, what's on the other side? When I say what's on the other side, think about the season we're in specifically. We're living still in this season of the COVID. On any given Sunday, we run about 3,000 people on our campuses. Probably this Sunday, we're going to have probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 which means a lot of people just aren't even sure if they want to be back in church, which if that's you, that's okay, but people are trying to navigate this season, and they're defined by this season. The question is, what's on the other side? Because, again, we focus so right now in the moment. We're right now in a season, and it's okay, and I'm, I'm okay to, to talk about it. I don't have answers for it, but as a nation, we're trying to, to figure out and get handles and wrestle with racism, and how, how, how are we healthy as a culture? How do we get past it? And here's what I want you to know is there is another side. I believe that we serve a God who's big enough to change the hearts of people who are submitted to him and change hearts, overcome hate. Come on, somebody. It starts in people that follow Jesus. But again, and it's not just the, the, the things on the national stage and the global stage. Sometimes we just get defined by what's, what's right in front of us, what we're going through right now today. How are we going to pay our bills? How are we? And we're just defined. And what I want you to know is we go through this series for the next few weeks, is there something on the other side? And I want to challenge you to look beyond what's right in front of you. I want you to get the 30,000-foot view of the plans that God has for your life and what God wants to do for you, whoever you are and wherever you're at. Let me ask this question. Was, has anybody in this room, anybody here, were you raised like I was underneath the threat and the idea of your permanent record? Come on, the permanent record was this idea that we were always challenged and encouraged to get good grades because if you got like a D or an F, here's what you would hear. Hey, that's going on your permanent record. And it was like this idea like, oh my God, there's, I don't know who it was. I don't know who kept the permanent record, but there was this ethereal record keeper somewhere 
And what you did was one day going to come back and, and bite you. I got suspended. I was a freshman in high school, made some bad decisions. I made a lot of bad decisions. I got caught for this one. I got suspended 10 days. And so because I got suspended 10 days, I failed a class. And so I took and I, I withdrew from the class because I didn't want to get an F because I didn't want to F on my permanent record. And it wasn't just the academic record. If we were going out, my parents would always challenge us, hey, listen, you better make good decisions because if, if you get in trouble, come on, it's going on your permanent record. And it was like this threat, like, oh, no. But I think, my, I, obviously, there is somewhat of a permanent record, your academic record, your criminal record, your credit record, your whatever record you have. It does influence and impact our future. I think my parents was probably just trying to challenge me to think long-term bigger than what was right in front of me because I think if we're all honest, it's very easy and natural for us to live right in the moment and underestimate or undervalue the 30,000-foot view or the long view of life. I mean, some great examples of that is, is just trying to get your arms around retirement. So I'm coming up on 50 in about another year, and I'm just now really starting to think about retirement. When I was 30, I was like, I don't need retirement. And 40, I'm like, I probably don't need no retirement. Now I'm like 50, I'm like, I better hurry and get some retirement. Well, you, you make different financial decisions when you're thinking with the long game. Come on. Yo. Dave Ramsey says, if you're willing to spend like nobody else today, you can live like nobody else tomorrow, which is saying, like, you better get your, you better get your financial permanent record in order. You got a long game. Come on. Let's talk about food and health for a minute. Come on. Anybody aware here in Florence, Alabama? I don't know where you're watching from, but here in Florence, Alabama, never knew about them until I moved here. We have these things called pedophores which is this like little mini cupcake from heaven. And you can eat those things just five deep. And you don't think anything about them. Well, you eat five deep a couple days in a row. Come on, a moment on the lips is a lifetime on the, y'all help, or the midsection, depending on your specific body type. What I'm trying to tell you is you don't think about what you're going to weigh and ultimately how that's going to impact your health when you're eating the meal in the moment. A lot of times we don't think of the digital footprint we're living on, leaving on social media, but you can post a picture or post an opinion that 10, 10 years later can come back and bite you and keep you from getting a job or cause you to lose a job because of what you did 10 years ago that you didn't think would live beyond you. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Everybody say generations. The challenge in this message, in this series, is to get the long game. Because for most of us, again, it's not natural to think long term. We live in the now. Most of us, we're just trying to figure out, how do I make it through today? How do I get past? And if you're really crazy, you might be into this week. Like some of you might already be thinking about like appointments or things you have. Some of you really crazy long-term people, you might be five years out. Some of you might be thinking about when I get a driver's license, when I, when I graduate college, when I get a career, when I get married, when I retire. But those, some of you, those are the real radicals. Most of us only live a few moments out. And the challenge is this, if you're taking notes, is we often have a selfish and short-sighted view of who, where, and when. What I'm telling you is that oftentimes most of us are living our life and it's all about me, here, and now. I only care about me, what I'm going through. I only care about right here. Like, I don't care about the other side of the world. I don't care about the other side of the nation. Like, let's be honest. Most times, we don't care about what's happening on the other side of our street. We care about right here in my little bubble. And I'm not worried about next week. I'm not worried about next year. I'm not worried. Like, 
I'm only worried about now. Here's the challenge is why we are busy thinking about me here and now. God's perspective and God's focus is everyone, everywhere in eternity. And the challenge is when we hook up with the God of eternity, there should be some kind of shift that it's bigger than the moment. Life is more than who you're going to marry. It's bigger than where you're going to work. It's more than where you're going to retire because God is bigger than the me here and now. God is about, come on, say it, everyone. Come on, everywhere and I can tell some of y'all aren't on board yet. Come on, y'all got to dust off the pipes. I'm bringing it. Y'all got to bring it with me. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be back on the horse again. So there's a challenge and there's a shift, and that's what this, this message in this series is about is this generation. My challenge and my hope for all of us is if nothing else today, you'll leave with a bigger, broader perspective of the God you serve because he reveals himself. God tells us who he is and what he's about through his names. God lets us know that his name, his name, who he is, is he's Yahweh. That's his name. That's the name of the God we serve is Yahweh. But he reveals himself through all of these other titles. And the purpose of these titles is to define who he is, what he's like, and what he'll do. And he'll tell us things like this, that he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals. He's our righteousness. He's our strength. He's our health. He's our strong tower. He's our heavenly father. Come on, is anybody thankful for all that God is to us? Come on, somebody make some noise for him. Part of the revelation that God reveals himself is, is he's letting us know that he's about the big picture, that God's focus and perspective of your life is broad and long, which is why he tells us in several different ways, not just once, not twice, not three times, but at least four times, he chooses to reveal himself as the ancient of days which means my perspective of your life goes back further than five years. He's not just the ancient of days, but he's from everlasting to everlasting. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning of the end, which means God's focus for your life is not just about who you are now, but who you're going to be, not just what you're doing today, but what he's called you to do, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50. Come on, somebody. Everybody say generations. God has a long view of your life. God has a bigger picture, and some of us are stuck, and we can't. I know as I preach this that some of you are like, I, don't, I can't get out of today. That's my job as your pastor is to push you out of the moment and into your future. And so Genesis, we're going to dig into this story. If you have your Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, it introduces us to this guy by the name of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham, probably some of you are familiar with this story. Genesis chapter 12, it opens us up to this guy who is 75 years old and still living at home. 20-year-olds living at home, you're good. you got like 50 years to go. But it was culturally acceptable. That's how culture was. So Abraham is still kind of living in community with his dad, his brothers, his nephews. At this point, he's 75 years old. He's married, but he doesn't have any children. He has no kids. He's married to this woman, Sarah. And as you read his story, the story of the life of Abraham takes 14 chapters in the book of Genesis. Now, if you don't know anything about the Bible, when the Bible talks about the journey of somebody for 14 chapters, that's a lot of text. But as you read his story, what you find is it is God interacting with Abraham and to intervene in his life to give him a child. But as you read the life of Abraham, don't make the mistake to think the story is about Abraham. Because just like your life, Abraham's life is something that's about so much more. Your life is about something so much 
bigger. And so I want us to read this. Genesis chapter 12 introduces us to this character, Abraham. I want you to listen how this conversation unfolds, what God says to Abram out of the gate. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Everybody shout generations. I like noise in the room. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. What I want to draw your attention to as we step into this message is I want you to hear what he tells Abraham in verse number two. He says, and I will make you a great nation. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, my focus is naturally drawn to you and not nation. Because Abraham was a man, one of, one of the things he wanted most desperate in life, what he wanted God to do for him was to give him a kid. I just want a son. Because to live in that culture without a kid was you were considered to be underneath of a curse. And he didn't want to be underneath the curse. He wanted a blessing. And he didn't just want a kid. He wanted a son. But God tells this guy who has no kids that he's going to give him a nation. This is so big. He's saying, you don't have any seed, but I'm going to make you a forest. Which means for all of you in this house, everybody watching online, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think, which means God's plan for your life is bigger than you could ever imagine. It's bigger than the me here and now. It's about everyone, everywhere, and eternity. And so here's Abraham. All he wants is a kid. Now, I want you to hear this. If you're taking notes, you write this down. God will do for you, but he died. Jesus died to do in you, but he desires to do through you. What God said to Abraham was, I will make you a great nation. And I think he was so focused, like many of us, caught up in our Christianity that God is a genie in the bottle and come do for me. And what we miss is while God will do for us, Jesus died to do in us, but he desires to do through us. What that means is we do have a heavenly father who cares about us. Come on. I don't know about you, but I've got a great dad. He's probably watching. Happy Father's Day, dad. All the dads in the house. Come on. Listen, we wouldn't be here without you literally. Come on. But is anybody thankful that we got the best dad in the whole world? We have a heavenly father who loves us everlasting. Come on. He loves us beyond anything, and we are his children. Come on, give it up for your heavenly father. And so I want you to know this, that if you're struggling, if you'll cry out to him, he'll answer you. If you call upon the name of the Lord, he'll save you. He cares about your struggles, your hurt, your heartaches, the hairs on your head are numbered, your tears are stored in his bottle, your name is imprinted on his hand. He cares about you. He loves you. He will do for you. But the reason Jesus went to the cross was not just to give you stuff. Jesus died to do something in you, which means all of us in this room, everybody watching online, everybody in Lawrenceburg, we need Jesus to do something in us. We need to get the hurt out and the hate out and the bitterness out and the frustration out and the rage out. Come on, we need to get the wickedness and only God who's above us can come on the inside and clean up what's here. And so while he will do for you, Jesus died to do something in you. But here's the thing most believers miss and will sit in church your whole life and you'll miss this. God desires to do something through you. What God tells Abraham is, I will make you a great nation. It's not just what I'm going to do for you. I'm not just going to give you a kid. I'm going to bring a nation out of you. 
Come on, everybody say generations. If you've ever read the Bible long enough, you will eventually come to, and some of you have not been reading the Bible, jump on anywhere. Reading God's word consistently and regularly is a great discipline to put in your life. It'll change you. If you read it long enough, you will eventually come to this section of scripture that's known as the genealogies. The genealogies, if you've never read them, you'll know them as soon as, as, soon as you come upon them because basically it's just dad, son, dad, son, dad, son, 41 generations of a genealogy. And I'm just going to tell you, if you start reading your Bible and you start there, you'll quit. Don't start there. <laughs> Skip Matthew 1, go right to Matthew 2. There's two genealogies in the New Testament. There's Matthew chapter 1 and there's Luke chapter 3. And they're genealogies. They're the generations, father, son, father, son, that lead up to the life of Jesus. That Jesus, God, was born wrapped in humanity, born through Mary. And it lines up 41 generations of his genealogy. There is a purpose for the genealogies. The purpose was that the prophesied Messiah, that this Savior that was told for generations would come, part of the prophecy was that he would come through the line of David. David was a king and a central figure in the nation of Israel. And so the prophecy said that he would be born through that family line. So the purpose of the genealogy is to show that father, son, father, son, all the way back through David, that Jesus does in fact come through the line of David, but it's bigger than that. What I want you to see is even though the genealogies are in the New Testament, if you read them, you need to see them in a whole different light. You don't need to see them as the beginning of the New Testament. You need to see them as the scrolling credits of the end of the story of the Old Testament. Anybody, I know you don't, when the movie's over, we leave. In fact, I'm the guy that's holding my leftover drink and my left, I'm like down by the bottom of the steps waiting to leave because I ain't getting caught in line. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, you remember when theaters were open, those places we would go and sit back, remember those places? But come on, at the end of every movie, they, all these credits roll for like 10 minutes and listed in the credits is everybody who was a part of the movie. And it starts with the important people. It's the lead actors and actresses. It's the producers and the directors. And if you stay long enough, names just keep scrolling through. And it'll eventually get to the makeup artists and the costume people. And then if it keeps going, like, if you stay long enough, you'll start reading the names of the assistant to the assistant boom operator. I didn't know the assistant needed an assistant, but he's there. If you stay all the way to the end, you'll find out the name of the Uber driver that made the donut delivery. <laughs> But here's my point is, as all of those names scroll by, it's giving you a picture of everybody that had a part to play in the movie. What I'm telling you is the genealogy of 41 generations that you find. Listen, Matthew, here it goes. I'm not going to read all 41 generations. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. But just this is how it starts. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah. Everybody here read these next words. A descendant of David and of... Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And it goes on for 41 generations. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to hear. All of the people played a part in the product. All 41, just like everybody listed in the credits had something to do with that movie, all 41 generations listed in the genealogy had something to do with the product. What was the product? The product was Jesus. 
The Bible says that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. The goal of Abraham and ultimately the next 41 generations was that Jesus would be born. What I'm telling you is if Abraham didn't have Isaac and Isaac didn't have Jacob and Jacob didn't, what I'm telling you is that Jesus wouldn't have come through that family line. Every one of them played a part. I'm trying to tell every one of you that your part may not be great, but you have a part to play in the story you're a part of. Come on, at the end of the day, when the story rolls in heaven, you were a part of it and you're going to outlast the me here and now, and you're going to be a part of everyone, everywhere for eternity. I want to be a part, and you need to be a part, and God's called us to be a part of something that's so much bigger than us right here and now. And as you roll through it, here's the second thing I want you to see. Well, listen to this. Paul, looking back, Paul looks back at what happens, and he's really looking to this moment, June 21st, 2020. Listen to what Paul says about this generational thing. He says in verse 8, he says, what's, what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time. Everybody say this time. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith, that we are in a right relationship with God, not by how good you are, but by putting faith in Jesus who is good for us and good to us by dying on the cross. He said, so everything that happened way back then was for this moment, for this time. Watch this. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Come on. What, he's, what he was saying was back all the way when God spoke to Abraham and God said, I'm going to do something great, not just for you, but through you. He said, the reason I did something great through you was through 41 generations, the Messiah could be born. And the whole purpose of the Messiah coming is so there could be a people that's sitting in this room and watching all over the world who's saying, I belong to Jesus. I'm a son of the most high God because I got a savior who died on the cross. Come on. We're a part of what God did through Abraham. Come on, I don't know about you, but that's a big story. That's bigger than a son in the here and now. It's about a long life journey that God did something significant through a man by the name of Abraham. If you're taking notes, I want you to see this second part. All of the people, all these 41 generations, all the people once were just potential in Abraham. God was telling Abraham, I know, I know you don't see it because you don't even see a son. But hindsight, 41 generations later, as you read the, the ending credits scroll of the Old Testament, what God was saying was all of these people were in you, Abraham, when you didn't know it. There were kings in you, and there were priests in you, and there were shepherds in you. Abraham was 75 years old, and he didn't think he could have a kid, and he had something so much greater. I'm telling every one of you, regardless of your age, you have something great in you, whether you can see it or not. Some of you got kings in you, and presidents in you, and you got purpose in you, and you got books, and songs, and purpose, and destiny, and calling. You've got it in you whether you can see you and it'll outlast you if you'll allow God to do something bigger than the me here and now if you'll allow God to, be, uh, to invite you into the bigger story come on that's what's in you we go through life and we learn that there's a spiritual battle before I came to Jesus I, spiritual battle seemed weird like spiritual battle was like me watching um, like some demonic movie, The Exorcist. Like that was a spiritual battle, but that happened on TV and it was over when you turned it off. And when you come to Jesus, you find out, you start to figure out that there, there really is a spiritual battle. When Paul talks about that some of the stuff we're wrestling with, it's, it's, not, it's not what's happening in the White House. It's not what's happening in our bank statement. It's not happening in the verbal conversations with our spouses and friends. It's sometimes what we're going through is a spiritual battle. 
there really is a spiritual enemy and there's a fight. And what some of us, we figure out when we come to Christ and we start a spiritual journey is we start seeing that spiritual fight. And the problem is, and y'all need to hear this, is we think the devil is fighting us over our past. Devil don't care anything about your past. Your past is exactly that. It's past. The devil isn't fighting you over your past. He's fighting you over your future. He don't care about what you've done. He cares about what God wants you to do. If he can stop you from doing what God wants to do through you, listen to me, your past doesn't matter either. Are you all here? I'm telling you, there's a big fight about the kings and the potential and the callings and the purpose and the presidents and the priests that are on the inside of you that you may not see because you think nothing great's going to come out of me because like Abraham, who was 75 years old, didn't he have a kid? Some of you feel like I've not produced anything yet, but just because it hasn't happened yet, don't exclude God from doing something great through you. So how do, we, how do we generate this? Okay, God, I want to I be a part of this generational thing, God. Whether that's your literal lineage. For all of you that have kids, this includes your literal lineage. I hope you want more for your kids than you have. Now, I'm going to pause here. We've had the last couple generations that have gotten more for their kids than they had And when I say gotten more for their kids, they got more stuff. They didn't need more stuff. I'm talking about I I want more purpose. I want God to be a greater part of my kid's life than he was even a part of my life. If If I pass on a bank statement, if I pass on a retirement account to my kid, but I don't pass on my faith, I failed. And I'm, I'm not just about my kid. I'm about, I'm, I, want to, I want something great for my kids' kids and my kids' kids' kids. Come on. So I'm telling you, see, our, you're, we're caught in the moment. I'm telling you, what God wants to do through you is going to keep on happening when you're just a, a, a memorial on a headstone. You might be in heaven, but God's still working through you, just like Abraham had been dead for generations, but God was still moving in his story. God, I don't want me here and now. Come on, say it. I want everyone everywhere for eternity. You're going to know you got this when you're standing in line at Taco Garage. Like, I don't want me here and now. I want everyone, everywhere, for eternity. I know you won't do that, but I'd feel better if you did. So listen to what God says. How, how do we get there? How do we become a part of this bigger story? Verse 1. Listen to how God introduces this conversation. It's so simple. He says, I want you to leave your native country and your relatives. If you've never underlined a verse in your Bible, that's a great one to underline. And next time you get invited to a family reunion and all your family's crazy and you don't want to spend time with me, like the Lord said, I can't come. You can give them a verse. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord says, I need to get away from you. It's an abusive scripture, but if you're going to abuse some, there's a good one. He says, hey, I want you to get away from, I want you to leave. You've been, you've been living in community with your dad and your brother for 75 years. I want you to get away from them. And here's why. is because the people who are most familiar with you will frame your life, not in what you can do, but what you've always done. They will only see in you what they've always seen in you. And I'm telling you what's in you is greater than what you've ever seen or experienced. So sometimes we got to get past what's behind us. Sometimes that means finding new friends. Sometimes that means finding a new beginning. So he says, all I want you to do, he says, listen, I'm a, I, got, I don't want to just do for you. 
I want to do through you. And if I'm going to do something great through you, the first thing you have to do is leave your family's house, leave your father's house, leave what's familiar and go to a land I'll show you. Leave and go. Everybody say those two words, leave and go. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, there are some things, if God's going to do what he wants to do through your life and not just for your life, there's some stuff you got to leave. Through this last season of COVID, statistics are through the roof. The people have gone back to alcohol abuse, drug abuse, violence, domestic violence, rape, all kinds of chaos and craziness. And I'm just telling you, now's the day for a new beginning. You're back in church. We're back, baby. Come on, let's leave some of that stuff behind and let's step into something greater. We got to leave some stuff behind and go. And now watch this. This is so big. God says, all I want you to do is, is just turn and take one step. And then God says this, if you'll do that, then he says, seven I wills. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I'll make your name great. He goes, seven blessings. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if you'll take one simple step, I'll do all the heavy lifting. See, when I'm talking about the big picture, I'm talking about the big story, it might feel overwhelming like, oh, how do I do that? I, I mean, I can barely get through the day. How can I get the big picture? It's not up to you. I'm telling you, God will do what you can't do if you'll do what you're supposed to. In fact, God won't do if you don't do. God won't do if you don't do. If Abraham, see, at the end of the day, the Messiah was coming no matter what. God was going to find a lineage that he could bring the promised Messiah and Savior through. Abraham had the choice to be a part of it. If Abraham chose not to leave and not to step into his story, God would have found someone else to bring the Messiah through. God's going to change this world. God's going to change this culture. God's going to change the hearts and lives of people. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a part of that. And it starts with steps. Leave what you're familiar with. Leave what's holding you back. And take a step towards what's unfamiliar. And God says, I'll do all the rest. Come on, somebody. I'll do all the rest. I don't even know how. My life is a blur how I got here. But sometimes you got to leave what you're familiar with. Sometimes God can't bless you where you are. you got to step into a new season. you got to step into the next day. you got to move into the new thing for God. I had to come all the way to Florence, Alabama for God to do in my ministry what he's doing that he couldn't do where I was at. Come on, somebody. I could have had a little bit where I was or get what God had for me by moving. Think about Peter, the apostle Peter. Apostle Peter, I don't know if you know this, he started his life as a fisherman right here on the Tennessee River. Okay, not really. But he is a fisherman, and nobody asked him, hey, Peter, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you know why nobody asked him that question? Because he already knew when he was born. His daddy knew and his granddaddy already knew what he was going to be when he grew up. He was going to be a fisherman because the family job of their generations was fishermen. He was a fisherman because his dad was a fisherman, because his granddad was a fisherman. Because his great-granddad was a fisherman. And one day Jesus showed up. And all he knew was fishing for fish. That's all he knew. An insignificant me, here, now. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, if you come and follow me, I'll make you fisher of men. What he said was, if you'll come follow me, if you'll take one step away from what's familiar and move in a direction that's unfamiliar, then I'll take over. You don't have to, you don't have to become a fisher for men. He says, I'll make you one. 
which means you're going to stop fishing for literal fish that give people nutritional value for 24 hours. And I'll bring you into the father's business where you can fish for people and change people's eternity. You'll stop living for the me here now and start living for the everyone everywhere for eternity. All you have to do is take one step and I'll do the rest. Some of you, I know we wrestle, just, we just wrestle with the day. How do, I, just want, I just want to pass this class. I just want to get a promotion at work. I just want to get, I just want to get, I just want to get a clean scan on my cancer scan. I, I, like, we're just trying to figure out today. And God's like, hey, I mean, it's not that today's not important. Don't hear me say that. God will do for you. But at some point, listen, people who don't know God, people who don't serve the Lord, they can get married and have kids and have a job. I'm telling you, when you come into a relationship of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, God brings you into his story and we get to play a part in what he's doing. And it's a significant part, but it's a choice we make. And I want to be a part of it. Is there anybody here that wants to be a part of God's story? It's bigger than the moment. It's bigger than the moment. It's bigger than the me here now. But if you won't, if you don't, God won't. And so Peter leaves everything. And think about this. His decision changed the destiny of his grandkids. He broke a generational trend by one decision. Some of you grew up in homes. If you come back next week, I'm going to talk about generational curses and generational consequences. Some of you have grown up in a home and you have the same attitude, same mentality, same brokenness, same hurt, same addictions in your home that your dad had and your granddad had and your mom had and your grandma had. And I'm telling you, one decision can change generations. Go ahead, Pastor. Verse 4, I'll close right here. When you pull in, so God says, hey, if you'll just take a step away from what's familiar, God gives him seven I wills. I'll take over. I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll do all the stuff you can't do for yourself. And then he says this. So Abraham obeys, and it says, and Abraham was 75 years old when he left. Good news. It's never too late. Come on. Good news, everybody. It's never too late. Sometimes you might feel like I've waited too long. I said no too long. I grew up in church and I walked away from God. God had a call in my life. God asked me to do something. I felt like God pulled me in a direction and I went my own way too long and I can't go back. I'm telling you, as long as you have breath in your lungs, we serve a God of grace and restoration and it's never too late for you today to become a part of the bigger story. And so 75 years old, he decides to walk away from what's familiar, and God takes over and brings not just a child but a nation through this guy. But it's a struggle. For the next 14 chapters, for the next 14 chapters, you get the last 100 years of Abraham's life. He lived to be 175 years. 40 years of that is what's significant. I'm almost done. Just listen. 40 years. From the time God says, I'm not going to bring a nation out of you. It starts with a kid, but my goal is to bring a nation out of you. It took 25 years to get the first kid. We lose our mind when it takes five minutes to get a mocha cappuccino. <laughs> I'm just telling you, God's timetable is not yours, but his story can be yours. And so 25 years, he's waiting for the, like, the I don't even know about the nation because I don't even have a kid yet. It takes 25 years. And you can read his story, and I would encourage you, like, you got time, read those 14 chapters starting in Genesis 12. And he makes all kinds of bad decisions in the process, but how many people know God's faithful to just bring us back on his path? And so he's wrestling through it, 
But he understood something that his personal struggles was a part of generational success. If I can do the right thing in the moment, it'll echo for generations. And so here's what I want to tell you. The privilege of a legacy. If you just want to live in the me here now, go, go do you. Go ahead, sunshine. You do you. But if, if you want to be a part of what God wants to do through your life, the privilege of a legacy comes with the responsibility of a legacy, which means you're going to probably have to make some hard decisions. You're going to go through some difficult seasons. If you want to be fit, you got to say no to donuts. You may be financially healthy. Sometimes you got to say no to what's on sale. If you want a legacy that's bigger than the moment, sometimes you got to say some hard yeses and some hard noes to get what God has, not just for you, but through you. And at 75 years old, he starts going through some real personal struggles. But ultimately, at the end of the day, here we are as the end credits roll at the beginning of the New Testament. The movie closes and Abraham's name scrolls through. I mean, there's his name. There he is, Abraham. I want you all to just dream for a second. I want you to believe that your life is bigger than your nine to five. It's bigger than your student debt. It's bigger than your family struggle. It's big. I'm telling you, it's bigger. You got books and songs and calling and destiny and purpose and ministry and life. It's in you. The devil's fighting you for it because he can, he can see it. You can't. And Abraham was 75 years old and he just chose to lean in that I'm praying that all of you do as I close and just believe God I don't even know how you can give me a kid. But God, you don't want me just to have a kid. You want me to be a part of a nation coming through me. That I can be a part of the Savior coming. That that can be a part of my story of tens of billions of people coming to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I want to sign up, I want to sign up for that story. I want to be a part of that. But you're going to go through some battles and some struggles but it's worth it in the end. How many people would say, I want to I be a part of the bigger story? Come on. I want to be a part. I want to get out of the me here and now, and I want to get into the everywhere for everyone for eternity. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, thank you for just the example of Abraham's story. I pray all of us, God, will lean into that. I pray we'll desire that. I pray, God, help us to get, back the sh get beyond the short-sighted and selfish prayers of what you want to do for me. And I pray in Jesus' name that everyone watching and everyone listening to this message will have a burning passion for you to do something through them. And that God will realize that our life and our story is a part of something so much bigger. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen.